0: Mr. Speaker. Let's get political, political. Let's get political. Let's get a political. Let me hear a western talk. Stop it, sweetie. I'm getting near.
1: Let me hear a western talk. Absolutely, we always take something away from every meeting we have. <laughs> oh, that noise! It never gets old. It never, <laughs> ever, ever gets old. I mean, it's going to be one of the finest political moments in New Zealand's history, right? For sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> international headlines. Oh, <laughs> it did, did it? Well, you know, other see. You know, Other parliaments around the world have their fisty cuffs in Parliament, which is always great. South Korea yeah, is incredible. Um, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, some of the Baltic nations <laughs> have some great fisticuffs. But a dildo um, to the face, that's real politics right there. It honestly is. I mean, it's got so many things involved in it. I mean, there's so many layers. Uh, <laughs> Tell us more, Jamie. Oh, women's rights, you know, like a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, right, let's go. Politics. It's budget. The budget's out. The budget came out yesterday. It's uh, Labor's first <laughs> budget in nine years. Um, So it's a very important one because of course, as always, um, you know, when a Labour government comes in, everybody talks about uh, the purse strings and how loose Labour is with things even though they make stuff up. I I was listening to the radio yesterday um, and Amy Adams was on and she was talking about how when the key government came in, there was a string of, they followed a string of deficits. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Um, so she's the minister, she she's the um, you know the, sh- the shadow minister of finance, uh, and she <coughs> said that, which was quite interesting because, of course, they came mm-hmm. in after a record amount of surpluses, mm-hmm. um, so. and then a financial crisis, of course, yeah, international yeah. financial crisis. That's right, the, indeed, indeed. But to say, yeah, so mm. I found that you know it was a big blatant lie. She knows the truth. It was weird. It was really weird. But anyway, let's talk about this budget. Who wins? Who loses? Uh, yeah,
2: so that, that's yeah. a really big question: uh, who wins and who loses. And it's, it's, it all depends on h- how you deal with the figures. So on the surface it looks like there's quite a lot of winners. Um so there's uh cheap doctor visits uh for a start and certainly health has been a, a major concern of the general electorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that Labor's pushed quite hard. So from December the first about six hundred uh New Zealanders will have cheaper access to doctors and 600 to six hundred or six thousand. Six hundred thousand, yeah. Oh, six hundred, yeah. And uh <laughs> Anyone out there with a community service card, they will receive up to thirty dollars off GP visits. So that's that's significant. Um, And and the the coalition government's also extending free doctor visits to under fourteen year olds. in, in terms of housing, uh, housing has been uh, the Ministry of Housing has been given a new investment of two hundred and thirty-four million, and and there's also going to be a large amount, um, um, well, arguably a large amount, is spent on social housing. Yes. Um, and uh, in education, we're seeing a four-point uh, percent boost with six hundred um, and eighty million. And the smaller areas, such as justice and uh, police, which is, uh, are receiving uh, minor boosts. Yeah. Now, so on the surface, uh, the late the government will, well, the coalition government will certainly be spinning that this is uh, uh, a government that's. Addressing concerns over the, the the severe sort of lack of um, spending and development from the previous national government, so this government has argued there were big holes in, in spending for health for education, for housing etc et etc et and it argued that it would be a transformative government that would seriously address and turn around problems of poverty, child poverty uh, inequality. Um, a lack of housing, affordable housing etc etc. Now if you judge it if you judge this budget just on the figures that have been presented you could say okay it's a good government for it's a good budget for a Labour government Mm -hmm. uh, because there are clearly increases in in certain areas but if you judge it in terms of what the uh, Labour government was campaigning on before the election and, and the sort of transformation that it was uh, arguing that it would deliver, mm-hmm. then I think this you'd have to argue this budget falls far short of a yep. trans- transformative um, budget. And remember we had uh, Winston Peters and Jacinda Ardern saying that effectively capitalism was broken in New Zealand uh, and, and that uh, we had a crisis in terms of poverty and housing and underfunding for health, underfunding for education. and. Um, Yes, there are increases in spending all over the place, but, but overall that, that, that increase in spending is, is conditioned by uh, very tight and conservative um, perspectives on how much the government should stretch. Funding, and it, there hasn't been a massive stretch of, mm-hmm. of spending by this government, and part of that's down to that they're just not prepared to increase taxes, not they're not prepared to take wealth away from the richest in the country and redistribute that
1: out. Yeah, yeah, and, and that is a, pro- a problem. I and mean, we've seen in Auckland just this week reports coming out with inequality is just growing at an exponential rate. Like mm. it's, it's
3: ridiculous. Yeah, and they're talking about. Capital about. That?
1: Cap- Is that you, John? <laughs> <laughs> about- <laughs> hey, nice ringtone.
3: Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> in the house. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the talk about capitalism being broken, and so they saw their role as fixing it. And I think maybe this budget shows the limit to which it can be fixed, which is not actually great, because they are absolutely determined to operate within the constraints of the existing economic system, and then within that, they're adopting a very narrow perspective, or a quite narrow perspective within the existing economic system anyway. So they're not you know we've had for decades now wealth moving from the bottom upwards and they're not about to make a major reversal to that and have it move from the top downwards and if they're not prepared to do that then like john said you know this is probably as as good as it gets mm. and the problems i mean i really you know as a citizen and as a potential voter I won't say as a voter because you don't vote but as a potential voter I really object to when a government comes in or a party comes into government and they blame everything on the previous government and both labor and national do it the reality yeah. is that what's the, the current situation is a product of you know 35 years two labor governments and two national governments and in fact the two labor governments and the national government in the 1990s were the primary ones who were responsible much more than the key English government.
1: A um, lot of um, capex money in this budget, capital expenditure mm. money for, for health, uh, mm. of course we've seen a lot of uh, issues with buildings and um, quite a bit for education as well. Um, and then you 've got um, I guess you can look at the housing budget and that 's kind of um, with the six thousand four hundred state homes, which is lower than expected but um that that, that can be seen as capital e- uh, expenditure as well um, morning sarah um is, is you know and you were just saying you know labor 's come in and, and they 're talking about you know the previous government letting things slide and letting things black and and I guess which uh, is true which is true, and mm. that 's why we' we 're seeing Sarah a lot of capital x ex, uh, capital expenditure budget this year
0: yeah well um, I think probably sorry I've come in late on this conversation and haven't heard what you've been talking about um, but there is some you know there is an acknowledgement that there is need to invest in uh, the essential social infrastructure um, so a lot of some of that money has gone to health and education and um, more houses as you said uh, unfortunately that, I mean, there's a lot more needed Oh. Um, and unfortunately, this government has made a decision that um, paying down debt uh, takes a priority over, um, for instance, using um, some of that money or borrowing against very low interest rates to um, actually you know do the kind of significant, dramatic, and transformative investment in capital spending that is that is needed.
1: Is this, is this a budget, uh, and are we going to see following budgets next couple of years, is a budget for the electorate, um, like you said, paying down debt, uh, having surpluses, um, putting a band-aid over things so it looks like things are moving yeah, forward? Yeah, I,
0: I don't think it's a budget for the electorate. I don't think the electorate cares about GDP ratios and debt ratios. I think the electorate cares about um, having adequate housing, decent housing, decent hospitals, and. Um, and schools, so um, and transport. I mean, there's precious little in there for transport. The only transport funding that's allocated is to the Auckland City Rail Loop. Um, the rest, I assume, they're going to try and raise through things like private public partnerships, which are highly problematic, and again, end up probably you know often end up costing a lot more money in the long run. Well then if that's um, the case and then are a lot riskier.
2: If that's the case so then I, I who don't is this
0: think budget it's really for the electorate at all. I don't Yeah, I agree I
2: completely agree with it's, Sarah to on to
0: appease um appease some the board comments around the country. Bec- um, because, you know, there was a very interesting the CTU put out some very interesting survey that they commissioned mm-hmm. from UMR last week Same that New Zealand most you know, I think it was some huge figures, ninety percent, around ninety percent of the people they surveyed. Would happily pay more tax.
2: Yeah, I've got the figures here.
0: Investment. That, was that right, John? Yeah,
2: that 90% uh, say public services are in need of increased funding from the government. Uh, 65% would support increased taxes to keep public services like hospitals, schools, and transport running. Um, 66% support a fifth. Uh, Tax bracket introduced for those earning, earning well over 70%, um, and 87% support the idea of removing tax on the first few thousands of personal income. So, effectively, uh, the general public's in, in favour of a more progressive taxation. Taxation system yeah. that would shift, sh- shift um, wealth um, from the richest to to lower levels. So yeah, I think that's a really good question. Who is this budget for? And I think we have to remember that Labor is incredibly sensitive um, about reaction from business interests, from the the corporate boardrooms, mm-hmm. um, uh, and. Um, ironically, though, uh, it seems that uh, business interests are actually more flexible on, on governments uh, borrowing and yeah. investing more in yeah, infrastructure course. than this government has. And Matthew Houghton, uh the right-wing commentator, who I guess can be seen as a sort of intellectual media voice for um, the ruling elite, uh, the ruling economic elite, he has said that he just thinks this government is crazy in how dogmatically it's sticking to very strict uh, fiscal responsibility guidelines Mm -hmm. and um, uh, he said the only thing that uh, business interests would be upset about is if the government starts passing legislation that would empower unions that's something that they wouldn't like but they're not necessarily unhappy and it's significant increases in uh, infrastructure spending for example as Uh, long
0: as they don't have to pay for it I mean yes yes,
2: as long as as there's not increases in corporate taxes etc yeah
0: because they want the you know they need their the roads for their um, goods to be transported on, they need um, workers to be able to live in the cities, they need the infrastructure in place to be able to um, you know, make sure their businesses can succeed. But you're know, interestingly I doubt that they would pay for it through higher taxes.
1: Mm. Yes true. And one thing that um, surprised me uh, Phil was defence spending up by 25%
3: yes um and although labor likes to promote this image of you know we're the people that ban nuclear warships and of course we know that that wasn't really long <laughs> original position i oh, was <laughs> <that's right. laughs> yeah, yeah. that that was a that was a political move um, labor is often very highly committed to to defence and i think with the um, global situation the way it is, and with the schism between most of the rest of the world and the United States, um, and now we're seeing it over the um, the Gaza events. You know, I think New Zealand wants to, or the New Zealand state, the New Zealand government want to. Um, Pursue their own interests much more without relying on the United States to play the sort of umbrella role in the Pacific that they did before, and New Zealand wants to have you know a state-of-the-art military um, to be able to pursue the interests of uh, well of the the elite in this country in terms of. Um, foreign policy in the Pacific, in particular, mm-hmm. but also elsewhere. And let's remember that when the fourth Labour government banned New- American nuclear warships from New Zealand, they stepped up New Zealand military involvement in the Pacific to levels not seen since World War Two. Something that's often kind of lost sight of in the sort of the warm fuzzies of the nuclear warships ban. You know, like there's a lot of myths around what a wonderful you know peacekeeper role yeah. New Zealand plays but you know we intervened in Tonga on in, in behalf of an absolute monarchy Yeah, you know um, yeah, we don't have the best track record
1: yeah, I, I did find it interesting but they deferred the Orions um, but that was just something out of personal interest. Um, mm. I didn't see much um, Sarah in ways of uh, cash for mental health. Uh, maybe no, I missed that no. and that's really interesting because um, there was a lot no, of talk. yeah that was
0: interesting there's that small uh, initiative that's initiative that uh, i think a green party policy around um counseling free counseling for 18 to 25 year olds Mm -hmm. um i don't know details but there was that um there's money for the operation of the um mental health inquiry but yeah no dedicated money for new initiatives. so any kind of mental health funding will still have to come out of the you know the DHB allocation so no that was surprising I guess they can justify that by saying they're waiting for the outcome of the mental health inquiry,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which um, would point them, you know will hopefully point them in the um, direction of where money needs to be spent. So I guess there's some legitimacy in that. However, you know I think um, there are areas of, where there is a need for urgent investment, um, and I, I'm not sure that those services can wait another couple of years while the inquiry comes up with some suggestions. In fact, I, you know, I've i just been at the uh, Child Poverty Action Group post-budget breakfast, and that was really um, the tenor of their message, was that although there is some indications that the government is recognising issues, recognising issues of poverty and housing stress and mental health needs, there is a fundamental... This budget kind of indicates that they haven't got how urgent that need is. Yeah. And, you know, there's a need for urgent and dramatic funding in a whole lot of areas that yep. is absent from this budget. And I think that was kind of the message that all these social service providers were yep. um, delivering today is that, yep, they, they are at least, um, you know, something which is different from the previous government. They are acknowledging the need for um to address these issues but they have not recognized how urgent and dramatic that need is yeah it's it's like you know they have set up a lot
1: of working groups a lot of working groups but um, like you were saying, um, we can't wait for these working no. groups to come out with their things. And it seems like with all the cash they're keeping behind, I know a lot of that is probably going to go to nurses pay rises and teachers pay rising as well. Um, but you know, some of that might be set over for the next couple of budgets to implement some of the plans that do come out from these working groups, but we don't have time to wait. And
2: they certainly haven't budgeted for increases in pay for teachers and nurses. Mm-hmm. And I think You don't think? I, No, and I think there's
0: there's about six hundred million in um, paid contingency funding, Mm, which mm. um, could cover wage, which you know wage negotiations are um, stated there as one of the fiscal risks that could be covered by that paid contingency. So they have put aside some money to cover those negotiations.
3: But I mean, the budget, (coughs) the overwhelming uh, um, (coughs) amount of <coughs> Excuse me, of health and education expend- expenditure as capital expenditure. You know, it was quite interesting looking at the CTU press statement, which was very, you know, glowing compared to things that are being said by representatives of unions in the health and um, teaching sector, Uh which were a lot less, you know, enthusiastic. If they were going to, you know, like there could have been something specific in this budget where it was made absolutely clear that there were going to be significant increases for the pay of everybody in the health sector... Not just nurses and midwives, but you know the cleaners and the orderlies and and the nurses' aides and all the rest of it, and for uh, teachers and teacher aides and all the rest of it, and then we come to beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Like, was there a signal about beneficiaries? And I know they did the the family package, mm-hmm. but yeah. what about all the beneficiaries who don't have dependent children? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, and and. You know, they're left in in the same situation. I mean, I'm a beneficiary, and I'm on $200 a week you know, I'm too old, well I'm not, never too old to have dependent children but yeah fortunately I don't have I, you know, I'm long past um, there um, so I don't have dependent children Well there's absolutely nothing in this budget for me. I do have a community services card so that's nice I will get free doctors, I, I will get cheaper doctors visits but you know, they're still quite costly and you know, like, like most men of my age, I do tend to stay away from doctors anyway. Yeah. So it's not a however practical and the thing
1: is if you're not living better you're (coughs) going to go to the doctor more anyway so you're going to end up spending more money regardless because you know people on lower incomes tend to eat worse they live in poorer housing which has health issues so you might get cheaper doctor's visits but you're going to go to the doctor more anyway I think going back to that point you made Jamie about all these um, inquiries
2: and working groups that the government set up and so that there's the hope that um, uh, information will be released and and, and findings will be made that will, will lead to the government spending more say on health and housing than they are in this budget but the, the fact is that lave is known throughout the national party's um, regime uh, how much the government has generally been underfunding areas such as health and education, and housing, and it released figures itself. So before the uh, election, Labor said that their, um, the the house sector was underfunded by 1.8 billion. Now, that, uh, if, um, if we contrast that with the CTU, the CTU says um, that actually there's a need for 2.7 billion injection yeah. into health. But nonetheless, Labor. Did come out with a figure but it hasn't met that that funding level that it said was needed so yes there's a 10.2 percent increase in health but it's only 1.68 billion so so the point is that yes labor and grant robertson and jacinda Ardern are using this excuse that no we just didn't no there was the, the, this, these deep uh, levels of underfunding we need to set up these working groups to actually find out what's going on and yep. then we can proceed from there but it's completely disingenuous because as i said throughout that nine years of national rule mm-hmm. they were pointing out again and again how much uh, national was underfunding these areas
1: now don't get me wrong but it does seem like this time around with this budget that there is a lot more need for money than ever before. I don't remember more people coming out and saying we need more, and they all do need it. And it seems like it has been a lot. I know, I know you, you know, the government blaming previous governments, but it does seem like there has been a hell of a lot of neglect. I, I, I might be wrong. Absolutely, yeah. I so might be there wrong. There has been neglect, and you know, social
0: service organisations, all those organisations out there delivering services on the front line, um, you know. Contracts community organizations they have had their funding frozen for ten years yeah uh, they're, you they they 're having to lay off workers they 're having to shut down services there 's been no increase in funding for them they're in crisis state, so across the board, there is crises, and unfortunately I, you know, I think. This government has decided to stick to its budget responsibility rules, which really deeply constrain it, and that is a deliberate decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can justify it in terms of it means they'll be able to stay in government and do the good things, but the reality is that they have made a choice, and that is to deliberately restrain the amount of funding in the face of desperate needs. And Susan yeah. St. John made a very, I thought, a very um, sharp comment. She talked, you know, Grant Robinson's talked about the need to um, be fiscally cautious in order to protect against future shocks. She said that the last 20 years or however, there has been a massive social shock and in that incomes have been kept at unacceptably and unsustainably low levels. And as a result of those income, benefits and working and wages being been kept so low, there is an absolute and utter social shock occurring now that needs to be addressed as urgently as if we had an earthquake on our yeah, one of our communities. This is this is a shock. It needs urgent, um, urgent investment and, and dramatic investment now. We can't kind of pretend that it it's, that
3: we can wait. Yeah, and I I think just going back to what I'm, I agree with what everything Sarah just said, but also going back to what you said, Jamie. I think we've maybe reached a tipping point mm. where these things have just built up and built up and built up, and people have have in this in this country are just. Way, way too patient. They've bit their tongues for 30 years or more, yeah. and now you know it's t- it's tipping point, and it just can't can't go on. Yeah. And Labor kind of opened the floodgates a little bit by by actually raising some expectations, yeah. and they're not mm-hmm. they're yeah. not delivering. Yeah. So yeah. what happens yeah. is going to be interesting, and that's potentially dangerous for yes. them yeah. because the expectations are high.
1: Mm, yeah, that's right. Sorry, we've run out of time. Uh, um, yes, we've run out of time. Two point six percent. I think we can borrow against ten-year bonds right now. Was it at two point six or was it two point one? Which is very low. Yes, which is very is. low yeah, if you're going to borrow true. borrow now mm. yeah, like yeah. I mean they, they have the opportunity to really <laughs> yeah. change
2: things and, and, and which right wing commentators like Matthew Hutton and, and people in the business community are saying well that's, what, biz-
1: that's what businesses do they borrow yeah. so yeah. Uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> um, alright we have to leave it there thank you Sarah thank you um, for for, um, for getting um, on the show it was great <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, thank you too. Uh, you too as well see you again next week um, uh, I'm really gutted we didn't get to talk about Gaza because it's really important but I really want I'll talk about that next week if that's all yeah. right yeah for it, sure it's, I mean, yeah, it's not yeah. going away no. uh, <laughs> <laughs>